May is Foster Care Awareness Month. It's something that I, you know, I'm an only child. Uh, I'm an only child on both sides of my family. And to put this in context, my uh, both sides of my family are from a small town in Arkansas. On Thanksgiving, during the, uh, we would have a family reunion on my mom's side. And there would be generally around 100 people there, maybe maybe just a little over 100. And I'm the only child. In fact, I'm the only, only child on both sides of my family. And then we flip over to my dad's side. We get together every Easter, and there's usually around 120 or so people there for every Easter. Now I'm grown. I've been married for 27 years. I don't have children. So people say, well, Tom, why are you so passionate about kids and foster care and things of this nature and, and pro-life? Quite literally, it's the next generation. Uh, we let's let's uh, let's bless this next generation and raise up leaders into all aspects of the kingdom. My wife and I we spend a lot of time praying for young people to be raised up into what we call the seven mountains of influence. You know, whether it be arts or government or you know whatever business. Uh, so that is my heart. I see these young people as being th- the most important thing that we can be taking care of. And uh, so even though I don't have children, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I, yes, I am passionate about this. And it's, it's the reason you hear me going on and on about it here on the program uh, many times. Risha, you, let's, let's talk a little bit more uh, about the process. You know, you, you, you mentioned that you wanted to get started early because that was what happened to you. You knew that by X age, it's like, all right, it's already it's already a big challenge. So fill us in a little yes. bit more. And just want to say that you're now added to our recruitment list. So we are going to be trying <laughs> yeah. to recruit Tom yep. as well. So um, it is, um, it's a process. And I definitely had a heart for teenagers growing up with about 80 foster sisters and brothers in my 15 years. And I just love working with teenagers. Um so getting licensed as me and my husband decided to move forward. And once we, um, built our home and had enough space and had all our ducats in a row, we decided, you know, to move forward. And so part of moving forward, what it consists of is you would take 30 hours of training in a class. You would first go to an orientation and then um, you would also pick out an agency, which there are many agencies out there to choose from, wonderful agencies that are um, licensing families. You would go through training. And um, you would do a a home licensing. They would come out to your home and make sure that everything is safe and everything is all clear to go. And then you move forward on um, getting a kiddo. Um, My husband and I, we would volunteer for the heart gallery. um, And so we kind of already picked out a kiddo that we wanted um, to have placed. Um, with our agency and having our home, we spend a lot of time volunteering there. And it's all it's lots of opportunities to volunteer in any of the agencies and heart galleries that we do across the state. And so we um, picked out a kiddo that we had an interest in. And um, she's she's been through a lot, but we knew, you know, 
time, stability, you know, can really heal the trauma that these kids are experiencing. And a big part of trauma is having that stability really helps heal the trauma. And so we wanted to bring her her in our home. And it's been a couple months now. It's very early. Um, We've gotten a lot of support. I have to really put a plug with um, our church, Pilgrim Rest, being a part of Arizona 127, that collaborative, and really building that support community in your churches is so vital. Having access to other foster parents and access to support groups at your church and having that support has been tremendous and just having that community of support. And so also, you know, our own support systems and family and friends that were all on board with this. We actually threw her a shower. Uh, a lot of times when you bring a baby into your home, you throw a baby shower mm-hmm. and we were bringing a new addition to our home and we wanted other people to have the opportunity to meet her, give her gifts. We did a registry so she could pick out what she wanted. And that was, that was a big deal. That That's was a big cool. deal to show that we really, you know, we're welcoming you. We're excited about you being here. And all of these people are part of our support network to help support in, you know, your success here. And so it's been really, really powerful. That is a tremendous idea and example of how a church community can come together and uh, support support a child and support a family that is wanting uh, to make that commitment. Uh, Stephen, there at CFCA, you have... uh, for so many years, uh, been you know Kay Ekstrom. I remember Kay from way back, and just the commitment to helping families succeed, mm-hmm. not just get them qualified, but help them succeed. Right. Uh, I see that as a big difference. Right, right. And I, I, I'm guessing you guys do too. Absolutely, um, it is nothing a uh, little more devastating, really, than to see disruptions happening with children in foster care. And, and, and definitely when they are adopted, any form of disruption just uh, further exacerbates that trauma in their life. So we pay meticulous attention to preparing the families, again, girding them up uh, biblically, um, all the things necessary that we feel necessary in uh, the 33 years that we've been doing this understand how important it is once they pray and obey mm. and move forward. That is just the beginning, and as Brisha explained, the process of choosing the agency and moving forward. But yes, all the way through the process and after the process. So our support and wraparound services is very important to us, and we spend much of our resources and strategic planning around wrapping around a family because once the kid is in there, it's just really beginning. That's just the beginning stages of when we really need to uh, intensify. At that point, we need to intensify our supports for that family. Because disruption is is just not good. I am imagining right now that we have somebody listening that is, they're disqualifying their situation. Mm-hmm. They uh, they don't want to have a teenager mm-hmm. necessarily, or they uh, they already have children, mm-hmm. or they are a little older, or they're a little. There, you've you've seen success with. Almost every combination right. of "quote unquote" excuse that can be yes. thrown out there across is that right? all landscapes that we've seen the success. The ones we least expect to succeed are the ones that do the best. Mm. Um, Sometimes we are looking for that ideal family, yeah. and unfortunately, that is not the key to successfully raising these particular kids. As Brisha talked about her experience is one is one of an ideal situation. 
of someone who understands to the depths of what you need to do to understand these kids. Uh, my wife and I actually, I was telling Bridget in the lobby, my wife and I actually uh, fostered our one and only daughter uh, through foster care, and she came to us at age 12. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, we had already had two children who was younger than that. So we were the situation that me people would say, there's no way you're going to bring in a teenager and you have two younger kids in a house and succeed. Well, she's 30 now, and, and we're still mom and dad, and we have a grandson because of her, through her. And it, it is, there is no um, typical situation that we would look for. At this stage, we, we again, want that heart first, and, and then we'll teach them. Yeah, and something Steve just said, you know, parenting does not end at 18. You know, I have my grand, I'm in my 30s, and I still have my grandmother who's 91. You need parents throughout your lifespan. You know, there's weddings, there's childbirth, there's all kind of things. You need grandparents for your children. You need parents. And so it's not something that ends at a certain age. It really is a lifelong commitment. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, and to that point, you know, uh, being a foster family uh, is a 24-7 job that continues long after, you know, the, the child reaches adulthood. So, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to, to the agencies that are providing uh, this type of service because, you know, as we know, our, our workforce is, is struggling with a lot of work, you know, and, and, and we want the people to work for DCS we want them to go home at the end of the day feeling that they've met their sense of purpose and mm-hmm. they've enriched the lives of others. And we get into a position where we're running from one crisis to the next to the next. And in doing that, um, children aren't thriving. Foster families aren't enriched from our engagements with them. So everybody is left a little bit disenfranchised. So, you know, I really appreciate the help and the support from the agencies while we try to get better at, 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 uh, at doing a little bit more of the things we want to do. The heart of uh, somebody that has chosen um, this profession to go in and to, to work with uh, uh, kids, uh, I've seen it. I've been at Hope Fest the last several years, and every year, at Hope, I'm amazed by the number of social workers that are there mm-hmm. on their day off mm-hmm. with their entire family serving the community that they professionally serve. Now, I'm thinking, I get a day off from my, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get away. No, their heart really, truly is in this. Is it hard work? Oh, yes. Is it disheartening sometimes? Yes. But that doesn't mean that they're not there really willing and able and uh, desirous of a great outcome. Absolutely. We just need to, we need to come alongside and help. Yes. And, and can I speak to that? Because the church, as we know, 10,000 church, and you multiply that by the number in their congregation, we have a lot of Christians who can be mobilized. And again, foster care adoption may not be right for them or the ideal at this time in their life. But we have children, as we know, in... CPS offices, DCS offices that stay there for hours, mm-hmm. often overnight. Uh, it was so wonderful seeing an email this week about foster parents licensed with our agency that are now saying they'd like to go down there and rock and feed and wow. help cl- help with the needs of the DCS workers. But we also then heard, right? I also then saw. Our workers, as you said, the commitment of social workers, then our foster care licensing team says, wow, how can I do that? So, of course, that would be mm-hmm. on their time off going above and beyond. And there again, 
that's just the professionals and the licensed family saying what we're doing for us is not enough. Yeah. Let's go down to those uh, offices where those kids are until they find a, a, a home. Let's go down there and be another hand and heart for those kids. I'm, I'm just struck by how we can really have an impact on our communities just by being the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, with a heart of Jesus, and let him, let Jesus take care of all the stuff that can go wrong, right? I mean, you know, let him take care of those concerns. What are we called to do? We're called to love. We're called to love and to serve. So we're going to do that. Amen. Uh, we're going to come back and uh, we'll talk a little nuts and bolts. I didn't want to make this, um, you know, uh, all about the uh, the processes and uh, the uh, politicization of this issue. But when we come back, I, I want you to share your heart, right? With uh, I know uh, this is near and dear to your heart. You've had twenty plus years to uh, be exposed to this, and this is something you really want to do. You want to really uh, serve the community this way. So we're going to hear uh, hear from you and uh, continue the conversation. You're listening to Faith Talk thirteen sixty KPXQ. This is Koinonia. <laughs> 